Father God, we are thankful to be here this morning. Um, I pray that, that we can embrace the mystery of who you are and uh, the mystery of what you call each one of us to do and be. Um, thank you for leading us into dark places in our lives that our faith may be made stronger. I ask that uh, for each one of us here, our families, friends, whatever it is that brought you here today, whatever burdens you're carrying with you, I pray that we can just um, maybe find rest in the midst of those issues, that we might find peace in the midst of that chaos and know that uh, Jesus uh, gives us hope and peace and comfort. In your name I pray. Making sure everybody's awake. You guys look good? Uh, thank you, Laya. Uh, welcome to Boulder. You've probably heard that a bunch of times already, but um, I wanted to welcome you again. Because the reality is that, like they mentioned, there's white stuff on the ground. And when you woke up this morning, you're like, should I really go to church? It's so nice and warm and cozy. I could just like hang out with Jesus here in my living room. But you didn't. You put on clothes, and you got in the car, and it was cold when you got in the car. Like, heat. You made it here, and it's an honor for us, uh, because you could have been anywhere else. And so I hope that our time together is valuable, not just to you, but to those that you choose to do life with on a regular basis. Uh, Today we start a new series, our Easter series, um, and it's an honor for me to be able to start this thing. Um, thank you, Japhet. Um, we're excited about that because we believe that, that, that this thing that we celebrate, that we call Easter, this thing that we celebrate, does, in fact, change everything. And, and I need that to, you need to let that sink in. Um, because you have to admit, again, whether you believe in God or not, you have to admit that something fantastic happened. Because this thing didn't have a chance. Like, it didn't have a chance because this was a movement that was formed based on a man, not on a philosophy or ideology. When something is, is, is based on philosophy or ideology and the person dies, the philosophy and the ideology still stands. But the whole time, Jesus was about Jesus, and it's about me, and it's about Jesus. And when Jesus died, the movement died. And in that moment, there was this darkness, there was this desolation, this thing where these people were like, you mean that we followed him for a few years and now this? Thanks, guy. This is how it ends. Go back to the boat. But in fact, something changed everything from then. But we're not going to get ahead of ourselves because we're going to backtrack a little bit a couple of weeks before, maybe a week, I don't know. Um, and we have, we have three stories this morning, and I have 24 minutes, and we're going to go through. And if you know me, you know I love telling stories. And telling three stories in 24 minutes is a bit of a challenge, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk faster than Japheth. Okay, brother? 
We're going to start John 12, 1 and 2. I have the, the text on the screen. You can either look at it in your phones, your actual Bibles with pages, which is actually cool, or they magically appear up there. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to go through these three stories. We're going to make some points. We're going to find some similarities between these three, even though they seem a little bit random. We're going to make a point, and then we're going to have communion. Does that sound like a plan? We're good with that? Fantastic. Okay, let's do this. Uh, John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, it says, six days before the Passover, Jesus... Therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. I'm going to stop there for a second. You can leave the text there. You can see it. Something awkward about this, right? No, because you guys are church people, so you've heard it all your life. You, you've heard the story of Lazarus all your life, and, and like, if you're not a church people, you're like, you're like uh, there's a dead guy there the whole time, okay? So like every time I like start preparing a sermon, I always have a thought. Last time, I was stuck with, I need a hero. You remember that? The whole week, I was singing that song in my head. Uh, couldn't get it over. And like, when I started putting this one together, the only thing I could think of was, anybody take a guess? Weekend at Bernie's. The whole time, Lazarus was wearing shades, reclining at the table like this. Actually, for us church people, it's not a big deal because this is the kind of stuff that Jesus does. Jesus raises people from the dead. And so we're used to that. And so that language for us becomes so familiar that we don't even pay any attention uh, to it. But, but like, if you're not a church person and if you're here today, well, thank you for being here today, first of all, okay? And hopefully I'll, I'll use language and stuff that you can understand while we go through this, okay? Like, Lazarus had been dead and buried. Funeral was over. And when Jesus showed back into town, he, he, he went to the grave and... Um, you know, he, uh, he brought Lazarus back from death. And now Lazarus is sitting at a table eating dinner with other people. Is that not weird? You guys. I, I eat with dead people all the time. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. Um, like, is it like, okay, it's great. It's great. I'm glad that Jesus, you, you brought him back from the dead, but do we actually have to invite him uh, to dinner? Because uh, then I have to talk to him. I'm like, so uh, you're the dead guy? Yeah. What's it to you? I don't know. Um, has anybody ever told you that you're the life of the party? Come on, man, it was just a joke. Don't be such a stiff. Like, but then, <laughs> but then something happens. Verse three, it's up there on the screen again. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance and perfume. Judas, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever put in it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, we're going to move pretty quickly. Okay, I'm going to leave that there. Not going to talk about that for now. We're going to move on to the next story, which randomly all of a sudden happens again, the plot to kill Lazarus. Okay? It's as if John was in a rush to finish the book. Like The editor is like, dude, I need it next week. And he's like, okay, I'm working on it. I got three stories. I'm going to tell them quick. When a large crowd, verse 9, when a large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Verse 10, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Okay, here we go again. We move on. Let's move on to the next day, the next story, triumphal entry. The next day, verse 12, a large crowd had come to the feast, to, uh, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm and trees and went out there to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, Isaiah, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, his disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, but when Jesus was glorified, But when Jesus was glorified, sometimes you have to do that. And then you lose your place. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd, verse 17, that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So then the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Bam, 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 three stories back to back, somewhat random, very quick. But there's so much going on in each one of these that we could probably spend an entire service, an entire message talking about each one of these stories. But we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to zoom out a little bit. You know, Google map, when you're like looking at an address and they're like, where is this? And then you kind of zoom out and then you zoom out and then you zoom out and then you get context. And you're like, ah, okay. So we're going to zoom out. We're not just going to zoom out through these three stories. We're going to zoom out and take a bird's eye view of the whole book of John. But you only have a few more minutes. I know. See, the beauty of John is that when you look at John, John uh, was a soulmate of mine because John, John, like, if John was saying, if you forget everything about the book of John, Okay, don't forget this, okay? I'm gonna tell you a bunch of stories, but John is saying, listen, like here's the most important thing that John is saying is like, behold the Lamb of God. Like John is like, listen, all the stories, all these things that I'm gonna write about, because I'm writing pretty quickly because I'm on a deadline. Behold the Lamb of God. And every story, every point, every, everything that happens in the book of John, everything that he writes, his intent is to lead you to this idea, behold Jesus. Look at Jesus. So when we zoom back in into these three stories, there's a bit of frustration in John. 
Because he sees a bunch of people that are distracted by stuff. And it bugs him. First story. Why was this not sold and given to the poor? Sometimes we in our churches and our conference and organizations get distracted by money. I know that's what I wrote. I'm sorry. And forget about Jesus, who perhaps is sitting right in front of us. At a moment when the focus should be Jesus, piety and self-righteousness trumps the conversation and ends up ruining the party. Man, like, like lives were being changed, brother. Like, like Jesus like, was there and then somebody said, time to go home. Ding, 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 ding. Why was this not sold and given to the poor? It wasn't about the poor. It was about the money. It wasn't, and Jesus is there. He's going to pass away in a few days. Jesus is there, and the whole time, like the ruin, it's sidetracked by this distraction of money. And John's like, really? Look at Jesus. Then he goes on to the next story, story number two. Moving right along here, many of the Jews were going away and following Jesus. Oh, no. Church people saying this, okay? This is bad. These people are following Jesus. Think about that and let it sink in. This is not good. Because sometimes we get distracted by another thing called numbers. Because, like, we got we to gotta metric everything. We got to measure everything. And we measure everything, okay? A lot of Excel spreadsheets. Oh, it's bad. It's really bad. You realize that every time that Jesus gathered a crowd, he found a way to just make them go away? I don't know if you realize that, but almost every time that, that there's a crowd that realizes Jesus starts, uh, Jesus starts doing something, saying something, he disappears. And these church people got so distracted by the metrics that they miss Jesus right in front of them. Missing Jesus. Third story. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Here, now, here's where we have to take a good look at ourselves and, and, and maybe have a little bit self-awareness as to why we do this thing that we do. This here today, when we say, look what Jesus can do, we create an expectation of Jesus, the superhero, and when we find ourselves in a jam in the midst of losing a loved one, a divorce, financial catastrophe, a broken relationship, we run out and shine the Jesus signal to summon our superhero. And when it appears he doesn't show up, we become disappointed. Why? 
because we were after the stuff Jesus gives, but not necessarily after Jesus. So we become distracted by rewards. We want the reward without the sacrifice. And too many people want the reward of Jesus with the sacrifice, but without the sacrifice that comes with him. Now, here's, here's what I think I want you guys to remember for this thing as we start, okay? And these guys are going to come up and start playing a little something. If you forget everything I say, okay? Don't allow insignificant things to keep you from seeing that Jesus in front of you. Don't allow it. Because sometimes money, metrics, and rewards will keep us from enjoying the presence of Jesus in front of us. We get so distracted by those things that, that, that we completely forget and miss everything. And I'm sure that if Jesus went for a, like an interview to pastor a church, he would bomb that thing. Hello, Elder Jesus. I mean, I don't know what they would call him. What would you call him, right? Like, hello, Elder Jesus, right? Would you tell us about um, your plan for increasing giving? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to give it away. Oh, but that's not good. Well, what about, what about increasing attendance? Um, we heard one time that you abandoned a church for a while for some pet project. Yeah, it's true. I left 99 members back home and uh, went after this one dude. Got him back. Oh, and also sometimes uh, I say things that people leave. I, I say things and people end up disconnecting. Um, thank you, Elder Jesus. We'll be in touch. See, there's this moment in the life of Jesus is probably one of my favorite moments. And it's just a weird moment, but I'm a little odd. So he, he's just fed a bunch of people and there's this great multitude that's following Jesus, okay? So there's thousands upon thousands of people. And just imagine Jesus, his posse of disciples, chests out. Thousands of people following behind him dust and he's walking the disciples are like that's what I'm talking about now we finally see and can wrap our heads around what Jesus was talking about his kingdom bam there it is the kingdom and at some point Jesus um, Jesus turns around and um, something changes. Because people kind of, like Jesus realizes that perhaps these people were distracted as well by the fact that he was a guy that could provide financial security by feeding them with hardly anything. And the numbers were great, so there's this dynamic, oh man, everything's great, look at all of us. We must be doing something right. We're with that guy over there. And, 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 and like, did you see that like, he kept just taking bread and fish out of this one little bag? And like, 
Yeah, we like that guy. Jesus is like, man, like you're missing Jesus. You want the stuff, but do you really want Jesus? And so Jesus stops and he's like, listen, if you really want me, I'm going to tell you what you're going to have to do. The disciples is like, okay, this is going to get good right now, people. Everybody's like, shh, Elder Jesus is speaking. <laughs> Drink my blood and eat my flesh. If you're new to church and you're visiting, I'm like, I apologize for saying those things because like, you're like, what? That's pretty gross. As a matter of fact, it was really gross. The, the idea for Jews to like drinking blood and eating flesh, that was like, oh, no, that can't, like, you know, even for us, okay, let's be real. And all of a sudden, people are like, yeah, I, I ain't signed up for that, man. I'm with the fish and the bread, you know, and like, hey, this happy beatness of all these people, and, you know. Drink my blood, eat my flesh. Eh. I got this thing I got to go to. And they start leaving. The disciples are panicking a little bit because they're like, Jesus, 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 the plan was working. The numbers were good. Like, look, look at the spreadsheet right here. We started here and now, man, we're like five, six digits. Stop saying those words. Because those words are driving people away. Jesus is like, but listen, here's the thing. Let me let you in on a little secret, my fellow disciples. You think everything's always going to be great? And then he looks at them. He says, hey, he says this. He says, are you going to leave me as well? Like they look around and turn around like 5,000 people gone like this. There's Jesus and, and, and 12 guys. And Jesus looks at them and is like, look, everybody's left me. They were distracted by stuff. Are you distracted by stuff as well? Or do you want Jesus? Are you going to leave me too? And awkward conversation, right? They're like, hmm, hmm. All of a sudden, everybody just kind of looks at Peter because Peter always says something stupid. Peter. Had nothing. Peter. And Peter, in probably my favorite Peter moment of all times, stands up and looks at Jesus and says, Where are we going to go? Back to our boats? We've seen too much. We've experienced tremendous things. And Jesus, like, I could care less that you can feed me. I could care less about the numbers. I just want you, Jesus. I just want you. 
Where else are we going to go? Peter says, just give me Jesus. These four words have the potential to change everything. Matter of fact, they did. They changed it for you and for me. And today, I, as, as we move into this part of communion, part of my challenge to you, as well as challenge for me, is a little bit of self-awareness as to why am I in this thing? Am I in it for the things that Jesus can give me, or am I in it just for Jesus? Like, aren't those things kind of like the same? And no, they're not. They're not. Are you in it for Jesus? Is your heart, is your desire to like say, give me Jesus, just have Jesus, let me be Jesus, let me think on Jesus, let me work for Jesus, let me talk like Jesus. And if I end up the same way that the disciples ended up, my faith will not be shaken. If I lose everything because of Jesus, I have gained the whole world. Right. The reality is this. Whoever tells you that following Jesus is easy, whoever tells you that following Jesus is going to bring you blessings, hey, you'll get blessings, but perhaps not the blessings that you think you will receive. Bible talks about immeasurable blessings. You can count money, you can count houses, you can count cars, you can count retirement accounts, you can count all these things. So this blessing is something you can't count, something you can't comprehend, something you don't understand. And the only way you be able to experience is this when you say, give me Jesus and nothing else. So when we take communion, I pray that uh, just this idea of Jesus the idea of, 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 of putting all the, the distractions aside, whether it's money or numbers or rewards or whatever it is, that we focus just on Jesus in front of us. The Jesus right here. The Jesus in you and the Jesus in me. And the Jesus that a world desperately needs.